Brazilians like to party a lot. We are known for our carnival. It really looked like carnival. Musicians were playing, people were having beers and dancing all the time, celebrating. There were concerts and parties all over the city. On New Year's Day, reporter Gabriela Sa Pessoa was in Brazil's capital city, Brasilia. She said it's usually low-key there. But on this day, the city had turned into a big party because of the inauguration of Brazil's newly elected president, Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva. His supporters were calling it Lula Palooza. They were singing, Olé, 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 Olá, Lula, Lula. Basically calling his name. It sounds like a soccer stadium. Yes, yeah, yeah. A soccer stadium is a, is a good comparison. This was all for a ceremonial handoff of power. But there was a key person missing in the middle of all of this celebration the outgoing president, Jair Bolsonaro. After the elections, Bolsonaro kind of disappeared. He went silent. This is a president, a populist president, with a deep connection to his supporters. He feeds uh, his social media all the time. But since he lost, he went silent. And that's why people were speculating what he was going to do, because he wasn't really talking. From the newsroom of The Washington Post... This is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Thursday, January 5th. Today, we talk to Gabby about this major change in Brazil's leadership and the mystery of why the country's former president is suddenly, of all places, in Florida. So, Gabby... Inaugurating a new president and a change of the guard is always going to be a big moment in any country. But so much of the talk in Brazil in the lead up to this moment was about what the outgoing president, Jair Bolsonaro, would do. So first, can you tell me a little bit about Bolsonaro? Who is he and why were there questions about what he'd do at the inauguration? Yeah, Bolsonaro presided Brazil from 2019 to 2022. And before he became president, he was a congressman for almost three decades. But the most relevant information about him is that he comes from the military forces. He he actually was expelled from the armed forces because he was a rebel captain. So he has always been... Uh, controversial, and he became increasingly popular in Brazil in the decade of 2010 until the 2018 elections. He became increasingly popular, and he often praised the dictatorship that happened in Brazil in the, the second half of the 20th century. Can you just tell me a little bit about his politics? Like, what kind of president was he? Bolsonaro is a hugely popular politician in Brazil with a conservative agenda and, well, pretty much inspired by Trump. He always had conflict with other institutions in Brazil, like the Supreme Court, the Congress, and the press. Uh, What happened is that he was elected in 2018, and he was really popular, but the pandemic came in 2020, and it changed completely the way that 
most of the Brazilians saw him. His popularity dropped a lot since then because he downplayed the virus. He, he, he never treated it seriously. So, Gabby, what ended up happening in this last election and I guess more at the inauguration because clearly he lost. So why were there questions about what he would do with the inauguration? There were concerns of what he would do at the inauguration because he has been challenging the election's results. And he has been criticizing the Brazilian electoral system for months or maybe years. Last year, he started saying that the elections weren't fair. He made the army audit the electronic voting machines, which is something that they never do. So that's why people were concerned, because he has a history of challenging the voting system. He never conceded officially. So there were doubts if he, he would ever hand the sash, the presidential sash, mm. which is an iconic moment, a very traditional moment in the inauguration that marks a peaceful democratic transition in the country. Well, he ended up not doing so. He was in, in Florida. He was in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what happened? What, can you tell me what, what happened? How did he end up in Florida? After the elections, Bolsonaro kind of disappeared. But two days before the inauguration, he did a live stream. And he never said what he was going to do. He cried and he asked his supporters to stay by his side. What he's basically saying is that for those who believe in God, anything is possible. And he's say, telling his supporters that they shouldn't go for all or nothing. They have to be patient and the world doesn't end on January 1st. He said they have to be smart. Não tem tudo nada. Inteligência. Gabby, do we know why he left Brazil? Does he have any legal troubles that he's trying to run away from? It's not clear officially what he's doing there. In, in this live stream that he did hours before he flew to Florida, he, he never mentioned, he didn't mention he was going to the United States. It's not clear. We don't have an official answer to that. Some of his allies say that he's taking like vacation. He's taking some time off. And his opponents think that he's running away from, from the Brazilian courts. Bolsonaro is facing four inquiries at the Brazilian Supreme Court. He's being investigating for interfering with the federal police, uh, for leaking a secret investigation, making statements about the pandemic that compromised the health of the Brazilian population and finally spreading fake news about electronic voting machines. Uh, officially, he hasn't been charged with anything yet. But if we look at his past interviews and statements, we can say that he, he's afraid to go to jail. Yeah, like he's not saying why he, he left, but clearly not wanting to go to jail is, is on his mind. Gabby, why Florida? It it sounds kind of random. Um, and do we know how long he'll be there? 
Why Florida? Well, first, uh, there were speculations that he was going to spend New Year's Eve at Mar-a-Lago. With, with former President Donald Trump, right? Exactly. But he, he didn't go there. He's staying at the, at the house of a Brazilian fighter, UFC fighter, José Aldo. It's in Kissimmee. It's a city next to Disney, right? And why Florida? Well, there's a huge Brazilian community there, right? The Brazilians who, are, who live there are conservative as well. So I, I think there is an audience for him there. But other than that, it's still not clear what he's doing there. In November, some of his allies went to the U.S. where they had meetings with some Trump advisors like Bannon and, and Miller. And they were strategizing about what to do next. But until now, we don't know if Bolsonaro met some of these Trump's allies over the past few days. It's not clear what, what he's doing there. Gabby, I can't help but think of the parallels between Bolsonaro and Trump. Um, you know, ch- former President Donald Trump, he blamed his 2020 loss on unfounded and debunked claims of voter fraud. He also didn't show up to the inauguration of his successor and urged his supporters not to accept the result. Do you think any of that actually had an influence on what Bolsonaro is doing? Is he following Trump's playbook or am I just reading too much into that? No, absolutely. That's the reason some say Bolsonaro is the Trump of the tropics, right? Sometimes it's exaggerated and sometimes not. It's the same playbook during the pandemic, during the election. And when they saying that there was a big lie, a big fraud, this speech was clearly inspired by, by Trump. And we have to say that his son, Eduardo Bolsonaro, is really close to Trump allies. He's, he goes to the, US, to the United States all the time. And Bolsonaro met Trump many times. So they, they have connections. And maybe it's just worth stepping back and asking, you know, why did it matter that Bolsonaro was not at the inauguration in Brazil? Well, first of all, handing the sash to the incoming president is a gesture of a democratic and peaceful transition of power. The incoming president has the right to be the president, and I recognize his power. By not doing so, it's his final act of not conceding and, well, in the end, challenging the election's result. The democracy might not be working well, you know, it's, it's a strong sign. They were speculating who would hand the sash to Lula. In Portuguese, we say passar a faixa. The Lula team found a creative solution to that. They invited uh, six people to represent Brazilian people. So the, the message is Brazilian people is recognizing Lula as the president and handing the sash to him. It included a 10-year-old boy and the globally famous indigenous leader, Raoni. He walked up the ramp of the presidential palace with the president. This was an iconic moment, a strong moment for, for his supporters and for many Brazilians, and who ended up placing the sash across Lula was a woman named Aline Souza, who is a trash collector. I was inside the palace at that moment, and people couldn't hide their tears. Like it was just such a moving moment that normally you'd have the former president place the sash, the ceremonial changing of the guard on the new president. But here you have a woman from very humble Mm -hmm. uh, background. And an indigenous leader 
Bolsonaro attacked the indigenous population many times during his administration, so it was a powerful image. After the break, we look at what the return of Lula, an icon of the Latin American left, means for Brazil. We'll be right back. I'm Hannah Rosen, host of Radio Atlantic. Wait, really? Every week, we talk to Atlantic writers or other creative thinkers, and we take one idea and we road test it. Maybe what I'm asking is, is the problem them or us? Sometimes I change my mind about things. That's such a good point. I never thought of that. Maybe you will, too. Or at least you might see something differently. Ooh, that's fabulous. Radio Atlantic. New episodes every Thursday. So, Gabby, the outgoing president of Brazil skipping the inauguration and going to Florida is obviously quite notable. But so, too, is the election of Luis Inácio Lula da Silva, who many people simply call Lula. I want to ask you about him because he is not new to this. He was president before. Can you give us a sense of his backstory? Who is Lula and how did he get to this moment? It's crazy to imagine. It's an a bit unexpected because four years ago, exactly four years ago, he was in jail, right? So nobody could imagine he would have such a resurrection and become president again. Lula governed Brazil from 2003 to 2010. He became very popular and he ran four elections before he became president in 2002. And what kind of politician was he and is he? What, what are his politics? Yeah, so Lula comes from from the union movement. He was a union leader in the 70s and the 80s, and he founded the Workers' Party in Brazil. So he's a leader of the left, and he has always stand for social programs and fighting inequality in Brazil. He became hugely popular after creating social aids that helped lifting millions of Brazilians out of poverty it was a time when Brazil was living in an economical boom, so he benefited from that as well. And that's what helped him become such a popular and internationally recognized politician. He left office in 2010 with one of the highest approval rates in the world, I think. He was approved by 80% of Brazilian population. And then corruption investigations targeted him and his party and ended up sending him to jail in 2018. There were investigations saying that construction's company paid bribe for him in the form of an apartment and a property in a city in the outskirts of Sao Paulo City. How did he come to run for president once again? And what kind of victory did he have? How close was this election? So four years ago, Lula was in jail. He was intending to run in... 2018, but he couldn't because he was in jail. But after two years, some investigations showed that Lula didn't have a fair judgment. The Supreme Court annulled his condemnations, and then he could run again for president. It happened in in the beginning of 2021, and then he started campaigning. Nobody was expecting that. Some reports say that even Lula was expecting that, but there wasn't any other 
popular politician in Brazil who could run against Bolsonaro at that time. He made alliances with his former opponents, including the vice president, Geraldo Alckmin. He gathered all the political forces supporting his candidacy to defeat Bolsonaro. And and how close was that vote? Was it a close one? It was the tightest in Brazilian history. And Lula had 50.9% of the vote. The difference, it was like two million votes. It was almost nothing, you know. It was really, really, really tight. Mm. So clearly both of these men had a lot of supporters. Why is it that eventually more people ended up backing Lula. What, what is it about him? Many, many things can explain that. First of all, mismanagement of the pandemic that really damaged Bolsonaro's popularity in Brazil. And Brazil is also facing an economic crisis. Inflation rates are really high and people can't afford what they could afford anymore. So that helped damaging Bolsonaro popularity in Brazil a lot. And was it that with Lula, you know, he was so popular before when he was president, were people looking to him as maybe a return to the like the good old days? Yes, absolutely. He, he, he was always saying that he would make Brazilians happy again. And people have a memory of the time he was president. When you talk to Brazilians, they say, well, in Lula's time, I, I could afford a car. I could afford a home. I could buy food. Actually, at the inauguration, I spoke to some Lula supporters that were there in 2003 and were back there again 20 years later. One of those people was Erika Queiroz. She's a 35-year-old woman who was super happy. Here she's saying, we had so much hope then and so much faith that things worked out. Then came a terror era, but now we are here again. It's the best thing in the world. And what about Bolsonaro's supporters? What has their reaction been to the election? Some of his supporters still don't accept the, that Lula was elected and Bolsonaro lost. Immediately after the elections, they started protesting outside military installations and doing blockades in highways across the country. Some of these protests got violent, including one in Brasilia, like two weeks before the inauguration day, when they set fire to buses and tried to invade the federal police office in Brasilia. So, Gabby, what does it mean to now have Lula leading the country right now? What does it mean for Brazil and democracy there? Well, uh, for his supporters, it means that the country was able to protect our young democracy from an authoritarian threat. At his inauguration speech, Lula said that democracy was the winner of this election. His speech was all about fighting inequality and he's concerned about climate change. Deforestation in Brazil increased by 60% during Bolsonaro administration. And then just thinking about what the future of Brazil could look like, like what are you what what is the big question you're left with? 
Well, the question is, will Lula be able to do what he promised? Will he have support in Congress? Because the Congress is conservative. The majority is still aligned with some of Bolsonaro's ideas. It will be hard. It won't be easy. He will face protests on the streets in a way that he didn't face when he was president for the first time. So this will be a big challenge for him. We will have to watch and see and report about it. Yeah. Well, Gabby, thank you so much for your reporting and for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Gabriela Sapasoa is a reporter and researcher for The Post based in Brazil. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Alana Gordon. It was mixed by Rennie Svernofsky and edited by Rina Flores. And before we go, I just wanted to give you an update if you had listened to Tuesday's show about Kevin McCarthy. There still is no Speaker of the House. (laughs) Our colleagues at The Post have been reporting on the latest out of Congress. Every twist and turn, every concession McCarthy is making in his bid to be Speaker, every Republican angry at lawmakers in their own party about this delay. It's given them almost everything that they wanted. And when they were asked point blank yesterday, what more do they want? They didn't have an answer. So this is not about policy. This is not about advancing our conservative agenda. This is about ego and fundraising and a bunch of other That was Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina. And that audio comes from our reporter, Camila DeChalice, who is up on Capitol Hill right now. If you want more updates on what the heck is happening up there, check out our colleagues' reporting on WashingtonPost.com. And while you're there, you can subscribe to The Post. This kind of reporting is only possible with your support. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen.